0: Go ahead and be seated. Again, thank you very much for the honor of being here. And for those who I haven't met, might be your first service with us. I've been here since Friday night, so I've kind of said some of the same things, Friday, Saturday morning, Saturday night, Sunday morning, first service, now here. And then I kind of fly off right after the service. Uh, my um, heart for this for this church is, is huge. And uh, I just want to uh, say that in my travels, you know, I get to see every kind of church, pretty much around the world. And uh, you have a great church here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And don't take that for granted. Don't, don't, don't just think these come by every day. Uh, this is a special place, a special church, and there's a real grace upon this place. And. I I know your pastors well. I've known them for a long time and have watched them. And and I couldn't have more respect for pastors. You know, I I talk to a lot of pastors, and I pastor a lot of pastors. And some I have to pastor more than others, if you know what I mean. Uh, But with J.O. and Radine, uh, they are just a special couple. Uh, They have the rarity of the gifts that combine with an integrity and a character that carries that. With a passion for the lost that's beyond, with a passion for people that is beyond, with the ability to build teams and bring strong people around them, along with humility and other virtues that they have, they're a very special pastor that you have for your church. Put your hands together and say, thank you, uh, J.O. and Ray Dean. Very special people. And God is obviously using them in a in a marvelous way. And I love their family, uh, their children. Uh, I'm, you know, preachers' children go through a lot in the church themselves. But I I watched them fit in so well. And uh, Seth leading worship. Uh, I kept trying to think this weekend who does he remind me of, and I finally landed on this morning Mumford and Sons. That that's that's the feel I got from Seth with the anointing of the Holy Spirit of Mumford and Sons. What a unique, unique combination. And, you know, if I could ever dance like him, I would just be so happy to be able to jump and dance like Seth and not break anything in my body. It would be... Amazing. So you have a very cool church. I watched your pastor preach online before I came to get a taste of him. I've I've listened to him before. He's spoken at our conference, but I just wanted to listen. And and, and you know he just he's got everything going for him. You know he's 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 he looks like a, a man's man. He's a hunter. He's a, he's he kills animals uh, with with any weapon. Even if he chases them down with a knife, he gets them. Uh, you know, he can preach and he can sing while he preaches, you know, which is, I tried to practice before I came. My wife said, Frank, leave it alone. You know, I got a few rap things I was going to do, but it just didn't quite land right. Uh, but both, and we've had Radine as a preacher. She's, she's a cut above for pastor's wife. You know, really, you got two pastors that are, that are cut above. That's, that's a, an amazing thing. And so I honor them, honor you, uh, your church, a lot happening. Uh, I've been very impressed this weekend to, to just watch uh, your worship and your prayer and met a lot of your leadership team, which I've met before. And uh, watching the altars, geez, uh, just a lot of people got saved this weekend. A lot of prodigals returned and a lot of miracle stuff was going on uh, and still is going on, and I believe it's going to go on during this service right here. I believe I have a word for you. And so thank you very much uh, for having me, and thank you for my cancer survivor partner in faith, you know, that uh, we have gone through what, we have gone places nobody else would want to go, but I'm glad we went there and I'm glad we came back. And uh, I just had my last, not my last test, but my last biggest test since I finished treatments two years ago, uh, just before I came, right before I came, got the phone call before I got on the plane, and it was the doctor saying, hey, you're clean, you're cancer-free, everything is good. Um, <clears throat> which for a, for a cancer patient, you know, when, when she called, my wife come and stood right next to me, you know, and they called, and Sharon took the phone, but they wouldn't talk to Sharon. And that makes you nervous too, you know? So you know how that feels. So you're, I get the phone call and the nurse says, hey, I'm calling for Dr. Boyle. Yeah? Well, you know, you did your test. da? <laughs> yes, I know. She says, well, and you know, it's just in a few words that your whole life changes. It's, it's, it's just a few words to say, I got bad news for you. I had that phone call last time, you know, a few years ago when they just said, hey, we got some bad news. And I think we can get through it. But here's the way it's going to go. She says, hey, I got some good news for you. And your tests and everything and all the CAT scans, everything, your cells, your blood. You have no cancer anywhere. And so I, I'm, I'm sure you must be very happy. And I'm still just, are you sure? <laughs> you got the right guy, the right file? And I said, here, talk to my wife because she's going to ask me questions. So and she, she talked to Sharon and... And then Sharon was crying again. I mean, only cancer patients should understand a few words changes your whole life. Well, everyone say, God is, good. God is good. How often? All the time. That's right, all the time. He's been good to us, been good to you. And now, because of the time, I want to jump into the word, and I have a scripture for it, and I have a thing I'm going to do. And I need you to just track with me and just think and just let me not go any further as far as trying to bond with you and tell you stories and all that, which I would normally do if I had more time. And so you get to know me a little bit, but just trust that you're a pastor. Trust me, I'm here. You can trust me and I'm gonna be a teacher and I'm gonna impart to you and we're gonna do something that is gonna work for you. I'm gonna do a scripture out of the Gospel of Luke. If you have a, Bob, you can go there and I'll get there in a moment. Uh, The Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verse 16 through 19, will be the pivotal text for this morning. So if you go there, I'll meet you there in a while. In the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, remember the four writers are writing about the one man, Jesus, and the twelve apostles and what happened And there are four different stories about the same thing. So it's not a progressive. It's just four different guys writing from a different angle. And so you have four gospels. The gospel of Luke is probably, in my estimation, the most important gospel of all. Because he was a doctor. And he also wrote the book of Acts. He's the most meticulous. If you read the gospel of Luke, it's the longest. And uh, as far as the longest chapters. And it's the most meticulous. And he has more details than anybody else that wrote any of the Gospels. He he gives you parables no one else gives you. He gives you things about the healing background no one else gives you. Luke was a doctor. He's he's an educated man, and he writes from a specific angle. Uh, The Gospel of Luke is the launching of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, all right? The Gospel of Luke chapter 4 that I'm going to quote and read in a moment is really not Luke writing a scripture it's Luke quoting a scripture now remember they don't have a New Testament they only have 39 books of the old and so everything that they wrote had to be based on the Old Testament they had nothing else to go on that's why they're writing the Bible and so when Luke begins to write about Jesus he picks up Isaiah why because Isaiah the prophet who's 750 years prior to this writing so he's 750 years prophesying before Jesus came. It's Isaiah that prophesies the most messianic, that is, the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, prophecies of any of the prophets put together. He's the one who gives us the name, the place, the town. He gives us stuff about the crucifixion in Isaiah 53. No one else, everybody uses Isaiah 53 for the crucifixion. Everybody uses Isaiah 11 for Christmas, and Emmanuel, and the Spirit upon us, and a great counselor, and and you start going through Isaiah, his prophecies are absolutely astounding and accurate. So much that a lot of the apostles, and by the way, the apostle Paul in his epistles quotes Isaiah more than any other prophet. And so Isaiah is a major voice into the life of Jesus, Paul, Luke, all the apostles, and so that's where Luke is starting in this particular scripture. He's, he writes and drops into his gospel, Isaiah 61. So put that down Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, where Isaiah prophesies about the coming of the Messiah and that that Messiah will have a specific spirit upon him. And so he prophesies basically the job description of Jesus. Now, let's pick it up. In Luke chapter 4, it's on the screen, I have the scripture so you can see it, Luke 4, verses 16 through 19. Now, remember, well, you might not even know, so Nazareth is where Jesus was born. Nazareth is only 6,000 people. Nazareth is a rural community. Jesus had a family there, a father, a mother, and two brothers, which is in the Bible, by the way. And Jesus was a carpenter for 30 years. Not a carpenter for 30 years. He lived there for 33 years. But he's a carpenter maybe for 20 years or 15, whatever. His dad was a carpenter. He was a carpenter. And so he would have built tables and and homes and whatever for this group of people. Everybody knew him as the carpenter. Nobody knew him as the Messiah. And so he's just another boy in Nazareth, another man in Nazareth, and he's a blue-collar Worker, he and his dad have a shop and they build things. He's a carpenter, okay. On this particular day, he's in the synagogue, pick it up with me, it's in your Bible. And he came to Nazareth, okay. This is Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, as his custom was, his habit was to go to church every Saturday, probably. For 33 years, the whole time he was dedicated in that temple, and so as his habit was and his custom, he was going to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Now we want to stop, pause there for a moment. And let me give you a little cultural history. The people in the audience have no idea what's going on, but the the synagogue had a like a coffee table that the priest would use. It was a huge table, like six feet long, three feet wide. and had holes on the top of it. And the reason it had holes, because they would drop the scrolls of the scriptures they would read. Usually the Psalms and the prophets. They didn't do much from the Pentateuch, but they did not even much from Proverbs. But they would do a lot from the Psalms and a lot from the prophets. And all the reading for the synagogue was done a year ahead of time. So that they could get the manuscripts, they could put them in, they could have them waiting for them because the manuscripts were very bulky. So for Isaiah being the 66 chapters, Isaiah would have been maybe 10 holes that were filled with Isaiah. There would have been maybe 10 chapters on a scroll because the scrolls were huge. And so they had to plan ahead. You couldn't just kind of fumble around through the scrolls. You had to plan ahead, plan who's going to read, plan what was going to be read, what prophet, what place and everything so that you could reach for the scroll, unroll it and go exactly to the reading for that day. And that's what's happening right now. Now, in this setting, it's as much of a supernatural thing as the virgin birth in my mind or anything else about Jesus. It is so supernatural, but nobody understands it. Nobody gets it in that room. They're in a routine of attending church. There's about two hundred people in the room. It's not they didn't have a huge synagogues. About two two fifty was as big as they built them. And so these couple hundred people are sitting there and they come on Saturdays and they know Joseph and they know Jesus, and they know the brothers, and they know the routine, and they know the reading, and they know what's going to happen, and the whole thing took about 60 minutes. That's as long as their services were, and so everybody knows what's going to happen, but on this day, they didn't know they were sitting in the middle of a miracle. They didn't know that something supernatural was going to shift in the heavenlies and in the natural realm, and a door would open in heaven, and a door would open in ministry, and that Christ Jesus, the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us, would actually begin his ministry on that day. They had no idea they were sitting in the midst of a supernatural miracle. So when Jesus stood, it says, and they handed him the scroll. He didn't choose it. He was a pre-chosen reader, and he's going to read a pre-chosen passage, which happens to be a prophecy about himself, Uh. which happens to be in God's calendar, the beginning and the launching of his ministry. And how cool is it that God had the whole thing set up months ahead of time with the priest, with the reader, with the manuscript, and everything else, and God and all the angels are setting this whole thing up because it's going to be a supernatural, amazing thing. But the people don't really understand how big it is and what is coming their way. They're just going through the routine. I keep saying that. Why? Because you can be like the people in a synagogue. And you can go through the routine of church. And not expect a miracle, not expect anything supernatural. But on the day you come and the day you're sitting there could be the day that God changes your life or your children or your future or drops a word in your heart or that's when you start something or something comes to you from heaven. And I would like to say today that if you would just walk with me for a couple minutes, there's a miracle in this house for you and there's a supernatural beginning for you. There's something that could happen in this place. So they hand him the scroll, and he begins to read. Put it back up, Luke 4. And he begins to read. He stood up, took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he begins to read. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Prophecy and fulfillment and the person all meet at the same minute. Can you even imagine? So he starts reading, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Well, folks, me. Then <laughs> they had no faith for Joseph's son, Jesus the carpenter, to be the me of Isaiah 750 years ago, who was going to be the Messiah that ushered in a whole new heir and a whole new king. They had no faith for that. They didn't expect that. But as Jesus began to read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon, everyone say, Me, Because he has anointed me. me. Can you imagine every time he said me, the Holy Spirit starts moving. And people start sensing, what's with Joseph's son today? What's going on with Jesus? Why, Why is there a feeling in this room? Because the Holy Spirit, and it says later in the chapter, that the people said, what just happened? Something's going on here. So the Spirit of the Lord upon me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Of the Lord's what? Favor. Of the Lord's favor. Now. The year of Jubilee, that's what the the year of the Lord's favor in the Old Testament is Leviticus 29, 26 through 29. It's the year called Jubilee. Jubilee happened every 50 years. And Jubilee was the year where the trumpet would blow, and then everything would change in a twinkling of an eye. And that is, all the debts were forgiven, all the lands were returned, all the slaves were released. Everything happened in the year of Jubilee. If you happen to be alive at the year of Jubilee, every 50 years, the trumpet that would sound, it would be the most rejoicing celebration and the strangest thing you would ever experience in your entire lifetime, and maybe once only in your lifetime, the Jubilee was a A specific year, and that year was a year of favor. It was a year of return, a year of setting free, a a year of God doing things, but it only happened every 50 years. But Jesus is going to say to this group of people, What I'm doing to you today is open, and it's not going to be every 50 years. It's going to be every minute of your life. I'm going to open a new era for you. I'm going to open a new time for you. You're going to have access to my kingdom and my spirit. And this is what's going to happen. When you have access, the blind eyes are going to open and the lame are going to walk. The, the people in prison are going to be set free and there's going to be celebration. But you're not have to wait for it. It's going to happen every time you believe. Every time you believe, favor will come upon you and that favor will change your life. Wow. You have access wow. to that scripture right there. Now, let's only look at one word, favor. The year of the Lord's favor. I would like to say that if you have faith for it for yourself, I do it for me, that today could start a supernatural calendar for you. That this actually could be the day that you actually step into a year that is labeled favor and grace and blessing and supernatural that would bring you things you could never imagine into your life because you begin to realize that something's been opened to you and you can step into it and you can have it and it's a thing called the favor of God. Now what does that mean? Here's my definition. Without being laborious and boring and taking you through linguistics. I did that myself. And then I wrote this definition in modern vernacular. But what you're going to read is what favor does. I've taken all the scriptures on favor And I looked at the result of favor and the power of favor and the promise of favor and all the stuff on favor. And I put together this definition because this is what favor does. Are you ready? Aligning our life with God's blessing. Grace is another word for favor. And favor that does what? Positions us for increased influence, supernatural turnarounds. Limitations broken. Dreams awakened. How about this one? Missed opportunities redeemed. In the world, if you miss an opportunity, it's gone. And you live with a thing called regret guilt, shame. You beat yourself up. If I would have if I could have I wish I didn't do I wish I had an I wish I could get in a time machine and go back and redo that decision and 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 repair that relationship or open that door or go through that business or not quit that college or whatever it might be you have opportunities you missed and you can go back. But in the kingdom of God, God has a way through his supernatural power and his favor to take something that you've missed and bring it back around even better than when you missed it. Wow. Say, well, that's too good to be true. Exactly. <laughs> Why God is so good and why you don't have to live with regret, oh. guilt, shame, and beat yourself up forever. You shift yourself in right now, today, into the favor of God and simply say, everything that I miss, God can bring back around in a different way. I'm not saying that, um, you know, you, you were going with a girl and you missed the relationship and you didn't marry her and now you married someone else, so now you're going to get rid of her and go back. <laughs> Just to clarify, I ain't saying that. And neither is God. So you're not sitting there saying, Hallelujah. I go right back around. Missed opportunities redeemed, wide open new doors of divine possibilities. How many of you would say, I'm going to put that definition on top of my head and believe it? come on, can I hear an amen, that, that I'm actually going to believe, even though it's too good to be true, it's, it's beyond my reach. I'm going to believe that I have favor because of Christ and that Christ has opened a new year and a new door. And I didn't realize it. I didn't know I was sitting in the middle of a miracle for my life. I thought I messed things up too much or I thought I made too many bad decisions or I thought there's not much left to my life to do. And I have so many broken dreams. God has a way of putting new breath into broken dreams and new wings and let them lift up again and fulfill things in your life you never thought Possible? Have you ever gone through and Googled all the people that did things after they were 70? Have you ever gone through the people that lived their whole life and never fulfilled their dream and only fulfilled their dream after they were 80? There's a bunch of them. Benjamin Franklin would be one. Franklin Roosevelt would be another. Mother Teresa would be Another. People that didn't have things fulfilled in their early years, their middle years, or even their 50s. They had them fulfilled in their 60s and their 70s. And God breathed again on their life and gave them strength and gave them resources and gave them new open doors and put favor upon them. And they went through brand new doors they thought were shut years back. God can open doors for you. God can do things for you. Like I said before, he can make bananas grow on telephone poles. Oh. <laughs> he has resources. Yeah. Uh, he has ways. But, you know, I've never been to college. Neither has J.O. Okay. <laughs> right? Uh, I didn't to to well, that's even worse. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but you went to secular which is, I'm not a good I'm just playing around here. But what you think is a weakness to God is a strength. What the world throws away because it's broken, God picks up and says, what a weapon. What you think was the darkest, weirdest time of your life ends up being the exact thing that makes you the person that you need to become. I just finished reading a book called The Man I Became by Franklin Roosevelt because he was a polio crippled, as you know. But when you read his life story, oh, my goodness gracious. What pain, what agony, what disappointment. Year after year after year after year after year. Everybody gave up on him, including his wife. Everybody. They all said to him, you will never do politics, you'll never even do business, you'll, you'll never even leave your room, let alone do anything. You'll be happy to ever just sit in a rocking chair somewhere. And he denied everybody. Wow. He denied every wow. person's counsel. He denied Everything in the natural. And he simply said, what is happening to me is going to make me the man that I will do the greatest things ever after I get through this. This is only a temporary challenge for me. But when I come out of it, I'll be a different man. And you know, he never did walk. But he says in his biography, the man I became was impossible to become without the dark valley of polio. He says, I owe polio my whole future. Wow. I owe polio the presidency. And he's the guy who enters into the war who won't give up. Wow. He's the guy that no one could say after they bombed Pearl Harbor. He's the guy who says, and I want the pilots to go bomb them right now. No, that's impossible. We don't do that. Not impossible, and we will do He was the man that broke all the rules as he began to lead. Why? Because God put his favor upon him, not because he lost his dream, but because he lost his power to fulfill his own dream and had to allow the power of God to fulfill his dream. You might lose power. But God never gives up on you. That song, you know, we, we give up on God, uh, sometimes in the night, the night grips us, but God never gives up on us during that time A couple of scriptures are you are you there? I said, are you there yes. how, how many how many of you are getting something out of this how many how many of you are sitting there saying, uh, maybe wow, pretty strong statement, but you know, I would be a fool to turn my head and say that definition's not for me. I would just give it a try. Increased influence, turn around, dreams awaken, why not? Why not? Come on, say why not. Why not? And why not you? Why not you? Not someone else. But you. Here's scripture for you. Second Corinthians 5:18. The new situation is holy God's doing, for He is the one who restored us to His favor. How? Through my good works, through my endurance, through my smart, no, it's through the work of Christ, through grace. It's not because of what you did or what you didn't do, it's because of who He is and what He did. It's not because you messed up and you can't, it's because you have messed up that you're a candidate. Grace comes to the undeserving. It comes to the broken. It comes to the weirdos. It comes to the people who have no strength. The are not with the zero knocked off. The nothings. That's what 1 Corinthians says. Not the noble. Not the smart. But this other group of people. He says, I'm going to restore you to favor. Here's another scripture that's so important. Second Corinthians 6 and verse 2. Amazing scripture. Hear what God says. When the time came for me to show you favor, I heard you. That gets my attention. And when the day arrived for me to save you, I helped you. Listen. This is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day to be saved. Sozo is not just saved from hell to heaven. Sozo is the Greek word of wholeness and saved into newness. We always think of heaven and hell, but salvation is much bigger than heaven and hell. Thank God it does have those, but it's much bigger than that. What I want you to notice in this scripture is when the time came to show you favor, heard you I heard you your heart is heard in heaven louder than your words and it says in my bible that when the broken pray heaven has bigger ears and more attention to the broken and the poor and the helpless and the widow and the orphan than anybody else in prayer so heaven opens its ears when you need help and you pray from your heart And you simply say, help me, God. Help me. And God says, I I heard you. I heard you when you said that. Would you do it with me right now? Just close your eyes. Believer, unbeliever, unchurch, church doesn't matter. Just try this with me. Just close your eyes. And for a second, believe that God... He's leaning over heaven, listening to you. And he's listening to your heart. And he's waiting for you to say, help me. Help me. I can't do this, God. I can't do this anymore. I can't go through this anymore. I can't fix this. I can't change this. I can't. I don't know what to do with everything. God, help me. I need your help. God says, when you pray that, I hear you. I want you to pray it right now in your heart, your own way. I want you just to say to God right now, God, help me. God, help me. Whisper it if you want. Just just say it. Just let God hear it. God, help me. God, put your favor on me. God, redeem my messed up, lost opportunities. Lord, redeem the brokenness. Lord, God, Give me a better vision. Let me fulfill the stuff that I know I could do. Lord, be my resource. Lift my vision today. Let let something in me that I can't create myself. Lord, take the bitterness out of my heart. Take it away. I'm sick of being bitter. Lord, take, take unforgiveness away from me. Lord, take judgment and criticism. Take away my stupid negative tongue. Oh, God, take away my regret and my guilt and my shame and and the way I see myself and my family tree and how I interpret everything about me is, is what has happened to me, but I know that doesn't define me. Oh, God, help, help me have a redefinition of myself. Help me, God, put favor on me, my life, my friends, my family, my marriage, my kids, my body conscience my finance my future let oppression be gone oh God help me and God's what says in the scripture when you pray that when you do that God says and I heard you you might think a billion people would be confusing to God but God hears one he hears that one voice, that one heart, that one person, that one broken life comes right before him and he takes it on and says, I heard you. I'll do something about it, put my favor on you. How many of you right now would be saying with me, Frank Damasio, this is the best news I've heard all day. Let me see your hand say, you know what? This is, This is really, really, really good news for me. And you know what? I need a second chance and I need favor and I need redemption and I need help and I believe God's not done with me yet. Come on, wave at me say, you're talking to me. I believe God's not done with me yet. I believe my future from this day forward and if I had time, I would finish the other five-eighths of this message which has scriptures that talk about from this day forward. That God actually calendars his promises in your life from the time you receive and something starts and you have your own calendar. And that calendar has a timetable of promise and fulfillment and blessing from the day that you receive it and reach and bring it. God says from that day forward, we're doing something different with you. I would like you in Coeur to simply believe with me that today, Supernaturally that you're here sitting in this message that today is the beginning of something great for you and that your calendar has been marked today.